Mr. Batman himself, Adam West, turns 88. My best friend turns 40. And South Park turns 20. Folks, we've got a great episode for you this week, packing it full with the Emmys, Destiny's Rise of Iron Launch, a quick WWE recap, and a story about Nick going to an NFL game in Los Angeles. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Concession Stand. This is Concession Stand Episode 3. I am your host, Nick Howell, and with me as always, my trusty co-host, Mr. Andy Nelson. Andy, how you doing over there, sir? Doing great. Episode 3, Revenge of the... Something like that. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, well, first and foremost, we have to get things going, as when we podcast, we absolutely have to have beer. Yes, the Stone Cold Salute. Give me a hell Yeah! Well, we're kicking things off. Uh, first and foremost, let's get some little tidbits out of the way. Uh, Adam West, the 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 famous first Batman uh, on television, right? Turned eighty eight this week. Eighty eight. That He's is eighty eight years old. It's <laughs> impressive, and and he'll never be known as anything except for Batman. I mean, he he was he was on the Saint and a couple of other things before he did Batman in nineteen sixty six, but that put him on the map. Yeah, and his his take on that role is is legendary, just as far as the the serious slash comedic way that he approached it. Uh, he lives on, I guess, in Family Guy as the mayor, but uh, he'll always be known as Batman. And I would argue he might be my Batman. I, I was thinking about that this week. Is, is he my Batman? Because that's the one I grew up with. I I watched him in in, in syndication. Uh, my brother and I would watch all of those episodes of the old Batman. You know, same bat time, same bat channel. And we wouldn't have to wait a week like everybody else. <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'd play them all back to back, so you, you wouldn't have that cliffhanger for a week like they did back in the 60s. But... Um, yeah, uh, he's a national treasure as far as I'm concerned. Um, maybe it's Michael Keaton as my Batman, but Adam West. Happy birthday, buddy. <laughs> Tune in next week when Adam West turns 89. <laughs> yeah. He'll live on forever, I think. He is uh, definitely one of those TV legends of the bygone era uh, of, of when we had, you know, kind of we're really getting into sitcoms like that. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that Adam West might be the Batman yeah, he's uh, of all time. He's on par with Shatner, I would argue, because they were on TV at kind of the same time. and they That's both a play- fantastic point. Yeah, they, they they both played that iconic role that has sort of lived on uh, forever. I mean, they're releasing Batman toys right now, all that like 60s stuff, and they're, they're really kind of cool toys. I might have a few of them, but... Uh, uh, yeah. No. Yes. Not uh, you. Yeah. Uh, no. So, yeah, happy birthday, buddy. Uh, uh, thanks for everything. Yeah, th- happy birthday, Adam. Uh, next on the list... Uh, <laughs> On the opposite side of the swinging pendulum, yeah, uh, we lost uh, Curtis Hansen, who, if you met, don't know that name, you probably know his uh, most famous project was L.A. Confidential. Yeah, Best Picture winner back in 1997. Um, uh, a very cool like uh, crime noir drama set in like old old school L.A. Um, if you haven't seen it, please go check it out. It's it's it was a Best Picture winner, like we said, and uh, I would argue it's the movie that put Russell Crowe on the map. Yeah. Um, uh, and we were talking about uh, even Spacey to an extent, even right. though like you had Usual Suspects and Glengarry Glen Ross and yeah. a couple of films like that. But I think that was the first one where I really like noticed Spacey. I don't yeah. think I saw Usual Suspects until it came out a few years after a few years after it came yeah, out. Yeah, bo- both him and Russell Crowe really really jump off uh, this the screen and and really just you know they they chew up every scene that they're in and uh, it's just a fantastic movie from start to finish. And again, that's all credit to Curtis Hansen. Uh, he did a couple of other things, you know, uh, throughout his illustrious career. Uh, later on, he did Eight Mile. Whether or not you like Eminem or not, that's still a pretty good movie. Um, Wonder Boys, I, I liked as well. Um, 
And I also liked Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Do you I love that, that oh, food. Uh, I, don't I love it for, for teenage boyhood reasons yeah, but of sure. Rebecca DeMornay because she was so hot and then there was back like, in the 90s. And Ernie Hudson played like the retarded uh, uh, like uh, greenskeeper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I forgot about that part. So, uh, yes, it's, it's a loss to the film community. Um, uh, from everything I've heard, he was just a really special, really good guy. And uh, uh, he will be missed. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, lastly, the Wall Street Journal came out with an article. I think it was Wall Street Journal, right? I think it was Washington Post. Washington Post. Yeah. Okay, one of these things. But there was a bunch of memes that went around <laughs> as well. Yeah. Look, uh, don't travel with Tom Hanks. Okay. On a plane, on, specifically on a plane. On a plane. So we've now had what four movies that yeah. have come out with him where he just the planes crash and <laughs> shit goes all haywire. <laughs> yes. Let's see if we can figure them out. So uh, obviously, the most recent one is Sully. Uh, uh, I've heard good things about that. That movie's only ninety minutes. I heard. Which seems kind of short for a drama, but hey, yeah. you know, I haven't checked it out yet. I do want to see it. You know, Clint Eastwood always kind of hit and makes good movies. And it, he didn't come out with a film in December, though. That was one of those films where you think like the last minute Oscar right, uh, right. softball the lob up there, right? Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, Castaway. Yeah. He was on a big plane crash in that one. And that, uh, what else was there? Uh, Terminal was set around a, a plane, <laughs> like, uh, uh, set in an airport. What else? Uh, Catch Me If You Can had a lot of airline travel in it. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's it's like it's like being it's like it's like surviving a Michael Bay movie. If you're awake during like sunrise or sunset, <laughs> shit is gonna go down. Right. You're either gonna get attacked by some sort of military force or some giant robots are gonna come and, and take you out. But it always happens at either dawn or at magic hour. So if you like if you have a sandwich at like noon or whatever, no worries about getting killed by a transformer or a military coup or something like that. Right. That's how you survive a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> so good rule of thumb: if you're sitting on the plane. Or if you're boarding the plane and you see Tom Hanks sitting in first class, hey, get off the plane. Get off it's the plane. It's probably a bad idea. As Harrison Ford would say, get off my plane. Right. <laughs> All right. So to start things off here, uh, there's a quick news tidbits of the week. Uh, quick WWE recap as well. Uh, this week, Roman Reigns was kind of screwed out of the triple threat match. Coming oh, no. up at Clash of Champions, you know, as much as they've been pushing him and, and pushing him, trying to push him over, it's, keeping him in title he'll matches. He'll never be over. The guy will never be over. He has no charisma. His finishing move is the Superman punch where he jumps up in the air and punches a guy. There's no yeah, power behind that. Bit, yeah. And you're right. As much as they've tried to get this guy over, he just won't be no, over ever. It won't happen. So uh, they've reversed things a little bit. Uh, and the irony of this is they've also, uh, his cousins, the Usos, have turned heel recently completely and they're pulling it off brilliantly as, as a heel turn uh but he was screwed roman reigns was screwed out of the triple threat opportunity for the wwe championship uh universal championship i should say for monday night raw by <laughs> seth rollins and rusev also came out so now we're gonna have a true seth rollins kevin owens bout for the wwe universal championship and we're gonna have roman reigns versus rusev Again for the fourth time, yeah, in the last few years uh, for the U.S. U.S. Championship. Look, I, I, I thought that with, with the brand split, we wouldn't be rehashing a lot of these old stories. Uh, now we've got Rusev and, and Roman Reigns yet again. We just had him a couple of months ago with the whole Lana in the wedding cake thing, which was hot. Yeah, uh, but now we've got this going on again, and I just I don't I don't think they know what to do with Roman Reigns. I almost feel like there's some kind of like mob curse from the Samoans. On Vince McMahon because they just they keep pushing this guy and he just won't get it done or they won't hand him a belt. And when they did hand him a belt, they took it right away from him multiple times. Yeah, uh, you go back to WrestleMania with she or was it money? I don't remember with Sheamus. Sheamus yeah. came out and they took it right away from him as yeah. soon as he won it. So uh, look, <laughs> we, we, 
we get the boo birds, all of that stuff's going on. Right. So that's just that. Uh, also, we got Ziggler coming up for the Intercontinental title against yep. The Miz. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but there's a new segment that we talked about last week on uh, the WWE, WWE Network called Talking Smack. Yes. And it's like a post-show video podcast of superstars and Daniel Bryan and the other commentators and whatnot. Uh, Miz had an absolutely... You know, it, it, we talked about it last week. Yeah, what did you bit, call yeah. it? It, it, it? It's, it's not a... It's a shoot. So, it's a shoot, uh, yes. So it sounds like it's real, and it might be real, and it might be his real opinion, but that guy... Um, is just killing it right now as a heel. He is the top heel, I think, out of both brands. I, yeah. think, I think he's the most hated guy in wrestling. His resurgence this year has been huge. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen him like this since probably mid-2000s, almost 10 years ago. Yeah, and he was always kind of an afterthought because I think he came up through Tough Enough and he used to be yeah. on MTV or something like that. And, you know, he's just kind of, he's been in a couple of those bad WWE movies, but um, he's killing it right now. Oh, well, they're and, still making him. Yeah, he's he, he's interesting. And it's funny that you say that about the, the Raw thing. And isn't, I believe that. That championship uh, matches; those are this weekend, right? Isn't Clash of Champions that Raw pay per view? Isn't that yeah. this Sunday? So we had uh, we had what was the SmackDown Live one? That was uh, Backlash last Backlash. Week, thank you. And ago. then we've got Clash of Champions that's coming up. So now that we've got the brand split. We talked about this a little bit in the episode two yeah. about uh, how we did the brand split, and now they are going to have these unique pay per views for each of the the different shows. The first one for for Raw is coming up, and it's going to be Clash of Champions. So be interesting to see how that happens. Check that out on Sunday. Um, the other thing is we've got No Mercy coming up, which is the next, uh, I think it's a, ma- is it the SmackDown exclusive or I don't know if I think it's an exclusive I think one. I think that's a both brands one, but, yeah. uh, when I hear No Mercy, I can't help but think of the Nintendo 64 game. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I don't that remember was, that one. I know you probably don't, but that was, I mean, hours spent, uh, in college and even after college of just playing that game. It was a button masher for the <laughs> Nintendo 64 and it had all the wrestlers and, oh, it was so good. So, uh, somebody had a birthday recently. Somebody. Yeah. Not Adam West? No. It wasn't Adam West. It was this guy named Andy? Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I turned... Uh, I lordy, turned, lordy. Yeah. I turned 40 a couple weeks ago. Yay. Uh, Happy birthday. Thank you. I All made right. it. I made it. Now so what did we do for your birthday? Uh, we, we, we had the pleasure of going to the Hollywood Bowl, which is a sort of famed venue out here. Um, you've probably heard of it, but... Every year, uh, John Williams, the composer of basically the soundtrack of my life, but uh, obviously the composer of Star Wars music and Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park and the Superman theme, all of those iconic movie scores that, you know, if you just hum four or five bars of those things, everybody on the planet right. would know what you're humming and know that. So every year he does a, um, a show at the Hollywood Bowl where he uh, conducts the L.A. Philharmonic Orchestra and just it's almost like a greatest hits. This one, uh, to our pleasure, was very uh, Star Wars focused. But uh, he didn't um, play any Jaws or Indiana Jones that I remember. Yeah, in, in the past, he had done that sort of. I'd, I'd seen him another time about 10 years ago, actually. It was for my dad's 60th birthday, believe it or not. We went there. And so uh, that wasn't your first experience at the Hollywood Bowl, but uh, we, we had uh, a really. Uh, we, we took my daughter and she got to see it. And um, well, the first 30 minutes of it before she grabbed her blanket and went to sleep <laughs> right until until like the until the music that she knew came on and you yeah. know she lit up like a christmas tree so. she had her lightsaber yeah that was the that was the thing for me so the first the first experience for me was steely dan yeah earlier this year back in june this is night and day difference because i couldn't care less to be honest with you it's just not my i'm not into the jam band 60s stuff but to turn around and see thousands of lightsabers lit up waving around in the dark while they were playing the imperial march or other songs uh, and they had the big screens up, and they were playing the music that matched what was on uh, or the the screen in the video, right? 
all of that stuff combined just made it an absolutely amazing experience. I'm so glad I got to share that with uh, yeah. with you and your wife. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's just. It's. I mean, the guys. The guys pretty old. He's getting up there in years. He did say yeah. that he's going to do the episode eight score next year. That he told a funny story where he said uh, uh, he loved the the Ray character so much that yeah. he, and he loved writing her theme for episode seven. He wasn't originally going to do episode eight, but he said that he didn't want anybody else writing music for Ray. So. I thought that was kind of cool. That was really cool, really touching. And uh, just to say that someone... Can you imagine being... Um, what's her name? Danielle? Oh, Daisy Ridley? Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Thank you. Can you imagine being Daisy Ridley and hearing someone like John Williams say that about you, that you were basically willing to not retire at <laughs> yeah. 90 years old yeah. to come out and, and make more music just specifically for you? Wow. Yeah. I, there's something also uh, to be said, and and like I said, uh, that is the soundtrack to my life. I listen to movie scores like crazy, and and I probably listen to at least one John Williams piece of music in, in headphones or over. Speakers. What's your favorite music score? I mean, it would have to be probably something in Star Wars, but um. Uh, see, I thought I heard you told me Danny Elfman Batman, uh, the original Batman movie. It's no, it's it's always been Star Wars. That's uh, my dad gave me, or no, he didn't give it to me when I was a kid. Uh, uh, we saw Star Wars in uh, in, a, in the re-release, so I was born in '76. Uh, Star Wars came out in theaters in '77, but just before Empire came out in 1980, they re-released Star Wars in theaters, and that's when I saw it. So I was about four years old, and my dad took me to see um, uh, Star Wars, and I remember him covering my eyes during the Vader Kenobi fight because it scared the bejesus <laughs> out of me. But uh, but I, I, I even then the the music stuck with me, and 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 he had the double vinyl like LP of the of the score of that movie. And we used to just listen to that. Like as a four or five year old, that was like some of the first music I was exposed to. And, you know, we both, you and I are both uh, uh, musicians as far as we were both in a band and, and bands and, mm-hmm. and orchestral type stuff. So we gravitate towards that. I will say there's something special about, number one, seeing him in person do that. But yeah. just the power of of hearing a live orchestra play that stuff, it, 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 it's 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 a you said it it was it was like a religious experience for you and I had totally. experienced it before and yes we've we've all been to see concerts you know of of orchestras play whatever but hearing that music played in that space conducted by that guy I mean he's he's a national treasure as far as I'm concerned if you think about John Williams I mean historically as far as orchestral music or 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 uh, symphony music I mean people say. You know, they know Bach and they know Beethoven and they know Wagner and they know uh, anything else. But I would argue that he is our modern day uh, Mozart or Bach. I mean, the man has written themes or pieces of music that everybody knows. Yep. I agree. And and to your point about this being a religious experience, there's I can count on one hand of the number of uh, experiences or times that that's happened to me. You know, Chris Metzen at Blizzard doing his geek is kind of thing who's you know coincidentally announced his retirement from blizzard this week more on that later yeah um but yes it was for me it was it was walking into mecca like there was like you said it's the music of our life it's what we've been raised on the last 30 to 40 years and that's some of the stuff i mean if you throw in some of the other stuff like the aliens music uh by horner the batman scores all of that stuff and even something more recent like uh i think i personally i think the oblivion score by m83 is one of the more modern fantastic scores if you haven't heard that yet yeah um so uh, music to me is arguably the most important part of any film right putting the acting aside the choreography of of the uh, the craziness that goes on behind the camera all of those things 
the music sets the tone for any scene in any movie. Yeah, and you know what's? Uh, I would say that that sort of, you know, opening credits music and uh, that sets the tone is sort of a thing of the past. They they don't really do that anymore. I yeah. mean, obviously the Star Wars opening crawl, that piece of music gets you into that world yeah. right away. Um, uh, I I feel like there's only a couple of guys left that uh, still sort of. Uh, write music with themes and stuff that you remember. I think Danny Elfman would would have to be at the top of that list. I mean, I think Howard the, Shore's in that list. Yep, with the Lord of the Rings yep. theme. Um, I think, and the next person we probably want to segue into is Michael Giacchino. Yes, uh, I think he is the modern day John Williams. Uh, if you go back and you listen to all of his scores from the Pixar movies, um, uh, I would Incredibles is a great one. Ratatouille, uh, the Up theme. Uh, he's he's really good about themes. And, and, you know, uh, things that you would hum afterwards. Um, yeah, so let's talk about Giacchino. I mean, like, uh, so moving on from John Williams, I think that's a great segue. Yeah. I mean, w- 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 most people aren't going to know the Giacchino name, but what are they going to know him from? Well, the, the new Star Trek theme. Yeah. Uh, that one, uh, that, uh, that's him. Uh, I believe he did. Uh, you know what he started in? He started in, do uh, you remember the Medal of Honor series? Yeah. Uh, remember that? Like, oh, Bull- that was so good. Right. That's where he started like his music. I didn't know that. Yeah. And <laughs> I, th- I think he got noticed by Spielberg, and, and uh, somehow he got hooked up with J.J., and and the rest is history. And then the, uh, the guy is just, he's, he's, a, he's a super nice guy, and, and uh, he's a really, really talented guy. Our oh, that makes me want to go play those games again. I love those yeah, games. Yeah, they were good. And that, like, that sort of was the precursor to Call of Duty, because if you remember, the original Call of Duties were all in World War II, and they yep. did like a World War, I think they did a Vietnam one at one point or something, but, and now they're all like in space. But yeah, that was, <laughs> the, yeah, the Infinity Warfare, whatever that's coming oh, out. Have you seen that? They're, they're going to be in space. I, quit pl- I, I still play Black Ops 2. I, I kind of quit there. I play the campaigns of the newer ones, but then I just... Uh, you know, space jumping and wall jumping and doing all that stuff. And yeah. I just, it's not, it's not realistic anymore. I, I want a little <laughs> bit of kind of that stuff. But. Unless it's in destiny. Anyways, uh, right. back to Chiquino. Uh, right. The big, the reason we brought him up and, and segued from him, from John Williams is uh, episode eight, which comes out. Uh, I'm sorry. Rogue one, which comes out later this uh, December originally had uh, Alexander Desplat, I believe doing the score for it. And they came out and announced, I think last week that uh, Chiquino was going to do it instead, which, oh boy. If, oh, yeah. If John Williams isn't going to do your Star Wars score, you want Michael Giacchino to do your Star Wars score. And then it's like, okay, so Rogue One, it's not really one of the big movies. It's sort of like a side story. So I wonder, is it like, do we get an opening crawl or do they save the opening crawls for the Star Wars like episode movies? I, or? This is still a Star Wars movie to me, and I would argue the majority of the of the audience that's going. They, they I don't know if they understand the difference between Rogue One and Episode Eight, and that might be a, a podcast on its own Yeah, uh, going over the difference between that. But basically we're getting all these little... Uh, side shoots of of different movies, and they've opened up the licensing and the property for anybody to go out and write scripts yeah. for these kinds of side stories. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. You can't possibly give me enough content in that universe, in that world, with those kinds of oh, factions I mean, and characters and and weird space stuff. And uh, I would brilliant. never, I would never disagree with you. And uh, the funny thing about uh, well, Rogue, don't say never. <laughs> not on <laughs> not on that one. Not on that one. You know me and Star Wars. Oh yeah, we're good buddies. Um, <laughs> Uh, Rogue One, funny enough, the uh, uh, is is by uh, it was a story from a guy named John Knoll. Uh, you probably don't know who that person is. He was the visual effects supervisor on uh, Episode One, Two, and I think Three. And then I guess he said, "Yeah, I got this story. We should do this thing before um, um, Episode Four takes place." You know, the original Star Wars movie. We should we should tell that story about how they got the plans for the Death Star. And the Disney oh. people were like, "Oh yeah." Did you also know that that guy created Photoshop? What? Yes, that is a that is an amazing story. Oh, and I got this other thing that I did. It's called Photoshop. That guy, same guy. 
Oh my god! So he he created Photoshop. He went on to be a VFX director, and now he's the <laughs> yeah, screenwriter so for. So when, so when what a life! I know. So when they're doing like when they're doing touch ups to pictures or like promotional material for Star Wars, and they're using Photoshop, and he's up at Lucasfilm, he's like, "Yeah, I did that. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. that's my thing. This is one thing I did." Um, yeah. Oh my god! So John Knoll, quite a talented guy. When uh, and I'm excited. I was excited for that movie, anyways. But now that you have Jaquino attached to it, oh. yeah. Because, like you said, especially those movies, music drives those movies. Absolutely. And, and Star Trek, if you think about Star Trek, the newer ones, that ba da 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 just you did it way better justice than I did. Oh, God. Again. So that guy's going to be making Star Wars music now, and I'm in. Yeah. In, in, in all the way. Yep. I think that's one of the best parts of the Star Trek movies. You guys can, you girls can rave about Chris Pine as much as you want to. <laughs> you know, Spock and, and Uhara the, making right? out is hot, but... And you're, Carl you're, you're talking amazing. about my wife right now, right? She's a she's a fan of the Chris's. She likes the Pine, the Pratt, the uh, the uh, what's Captain America? Evans. Evans. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, we won't get into your marital issues at the moment, but <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, Amy. Star Wars. Continuing on, one last thing we want to bring up about that is uh, there was a licensing deal that happened. This is a pretty big one, actually. This is a pretty big deal, and this is the only reason we're really talking about this. Uh, Andy, I'm going to let you brought this one to me, so I wasn't aware this happened. Tell me what it is and why people should give a shit. So I'm, I'm going to take the line directly from the Deadline article that I read by uh, Nellie and Dariva. I hope I'm not butchering her name. Uh, it was uh, from last week. In what is believed to be the biggest movie package sold to ad-supported TV networks, Turner, basically the Ted Turner company, has closed domestic... Which is TBS, WGN... TNT. TNT. I don't think it's WGN, but yeah. It's, oh, okay. it's, it's big. Yeah. Uh, CNN, but no, I don't think they show Star Wars movies on CNN. Anyways. <laughs> they just uh, read people's tweets. <laughs> right. Uh, it's closed a domestic licensing deal with the Walt Disney Studios for linear basic cable and companion ad-supported on-demand rights to the 10 Star Wars movies. All right. Uh, now, English, Now, there's something. There aren't 10 Star Wars movies. There's seven. Well, hang on. Go back. We just read that in, in industry speak. What does that mean in English to the So to the domestic consumer? domestic licensing deal, which yeah. means anytime that, that movie is shown on television, whether it's on uh, TNT or TBS or maybe one of the movie networks or whatever, yep. that's them. They okay. make the money off of it. Uh, anytime it's supported to on-demand rights. So if you buy it on iTunes, they own it. If you buy it on Google Play, they own it. No shit. So they're they're in charge of the licensing. So of Disney Obviously, doesn't get no, any of Disney, that. It's Disney, of course, they get a piece oh, well, of it. I would imagine. Well, I mean, they're getting the the deal. They're getting they're getting a check from Turner for this. But sure. are they getting kickbacks on every time it's played on one of the Turner channels as I, well? I I, I, in I a royalty imagine, kind of way. I, I, they, they would have to because they own the, the intellectual property, yeah. right? I, I would guess that. But as far as maybe they're like, oh, we don't want to deal with the distri- distribution, which doesn't make sense to me because they distribute all the Marvel stuff. But, yeah. Um, so they said that's for a 10 movie deal, right? So a 10, if you think about it, there's only seven Star Wars movies in existence right now. So eight would be Rogue One, nine would be Episode Eight, and 10 would be hmm, the Han Solo movie they're talking about. Maybe it's 11 movies. Uh, Maybe wait. they bought ahead for future rights to Rogue One and Episode Eight. Turner secured the only Star Wars movie whose rights are not controlled by Lucasfilm Disney, the original Star Wars so the original Star Wars is in a separate arrangement with 20th Century Fox. They're the company that, that released the original. So maybe they still own A New Hope. They will become uh, the only base cable company holding the rights to all 11 titles in, the, in, the, in question. So hmm. uh, the 10 title package, even though 10, 11, forget the number, is uh, in the neighborhood of a $200 million price range. And how? What are the terms on that? How long uh, is that for? One year? Is that I for ever? I think who or? knows. That's that's for some really uh, smart lawyer to figure out. But, uh, <laughs> that's not what we do here on the concession. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah. So, lots of Star Wars news this week. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I loved going to see John Williams. So, thank you for including me in that. 
That was all Amy's idea, if I remember right. It was. I mean, I told her that I wanted to go. Unfortunately, our buddy Brad missed it, but he was supposed to go too, but yep. he had to work. And um, luckily, my, my daughter got to go in his place. And, uh, you know, she's been listening to that movie forever. So that was quite a, a special moment with my daughter Emily to, to see her just, you know, light up when that stuff happened. Yep. Literally with her lightsaber, but like her face as well. Cool. So speaking of stuff that we... We like. We had the Emmys this week. We'd be remiss if we were an entertainment podcast and yeah. we didn't talk about the Emmys that, that went on. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal, even though it's kind of just a yay, everybody gets a ribbon kind of thing. But the one thing I want to talk about specifically is uh, Game of Thrones. Yes. Game of Thrones has now won more Emmys than any primetime show in history. Which is nuts, if you think about it. And they've done it in six seasons. Yeah. Six seasons. What is it? Forty-seven Emmys. They think they won. What's that? Uh, uh, Somewhere in the neighborhood of that. So they thirty-eight are, awards. Yeah, something like that. Uh, let's see. With three awards this year at the Emmys and nine at last week's Creative Emmys, we can't sh- sell those short. No, because uh, that's that's what makes that show absolutely. The HBO book adaptation has now bagged thirty-eight awards, edging out Frasier's thirty-seven. Frasier has held that record, and they did it with eleven seasons. Versus six. Right. And they've held that record now. When did Frazier go off the air? Like 98? It it's been. been 20 years almost since we had a show that was this popular, and they did it in half the time. Now, there's a lot of factors and reasons you could bring up that, you know, the, the lackluster quality of modern TV series and all those kinds of things, right? It's a reason Breaking Bad did so well. It's a reason House of Cards has done so well. All that stuff. Stuff we talked about last week, just how the better shows and the bigger budget stuff is now on cable, you know. Right. And, but uh, you can't take away the fact that it's quality programming and it should be awarded. Absolutely. Obviously, we're both huge fans of that show and we can't wait for the, the next two seasons. And we've talked about our love of that show. But um, uh, I was thrilled to see them just break a record. Uh, I'd, I'd argue it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's absolutely one of my favorites. And I would put House of Cards in that same conversation. You okay. know, There's a lot of stuff that uh, is going on on TV today. Secondly, one of the other ones we saw come in there was uh, Mr. Robot. Rami Malek got nominated, and I think there were several other nominations for Mr. Robot. Did Look, he win? He did, actually. Yeah, he, won, yeah. he won Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. Have you seen that show? I have. So I've watched, I've watched, I'm current with it. Okay. So they're about 10 episodes into season two right now. Season one was brilliant, especially if you're a computer geek like me or anybody that understands even a sliver of tech uh, and hacking and the ways that you can do identity theft and, you know, just with a simple, you know, passphrase or something, you can capture everybody's life. Everything's online. I think Edward Snowden in a Vice interview recently said a man's home used to be his home, his house. Yeah. But if you want to get at something about everybody right now, a man's home is now his phone. Yeah. I guess so if a- you can get into his Ugh. social media, his Amazon, his Gmail, and you can circumvent iCloud or get into his phone somehow, you have everything you need to know about that man. That's scary. And uh, so, yeah, Mr. Robot, the first season, fantastic whole plot to bring down everything. The second season is like some existential th- mind job that I don't even really comprehend. <laughs> it's it's brilliant writing. The music is fantastic. Um, the acting is is top notch. I just don't understand what the hell is going on. All right. Uh, what, and, and even me that's like really into that yeah. kind of shit. So I understand that they're trying to piece together and fill gaps and do all that stuff. But it's taking the like Alf showed up. Three or four episodes ago. What? In some kind of like crazed dream sequence, Alf was in there. Like the the guy, the puppet? Like the, he was it was in the, the show? The puppet Alf. 
And they had this whole like uh, segue or a uh, uh, vignette where he was a character in Alf, uh, the TV show. Now I have to watch it. It's it's a mind job. I, I I can't even get my hands around how or my head around what is going on in the second scene of the show. It's going to take some some mansplaining to me to understand what is going on with that whole show. So, so wait, is Alf in season two? Unfortunately, so I have to get yes. thrilled, I have to watch the season two that you're not as thrilled about. And or do you can you just be like, this is the Alf episode? Check it out. And I can watch season one, uh, you, be happy, and then watch the Alf episode. You could watch the Alf episode or the vignette itself and be satisfied and just understand that it's like a dream. Fever dream please, sequence. Please tell me that in the dream, the dad shows up like, Alf, what are you doing? No. He, no? Okay. Why are you eating the cat? <laughs> <laughs> Stop eating the cat. What was the planet Alf was from? Melmac? Melmac. That, yes. yes. All right. Okay. Good call. Right. I was, I'm impressed you remembered that. I thought I was the only super geek that remembered that show. Anyway. I wouldn't be qualified uh, to be on this microphone if I didn't remember that, right? <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Uh, so yeah, we had the Emmys. It was great. Uh, a bunch of people won. Most people just couldn't care less. To, unfortunately, they were busy watching the VMAs and you know Kanye making an idiot of himself. Again. Yeah, I I have some friends that won some, and so that's always kind of cool. I'm yes. not a, I'm not a big awards show guy. It, it, to me, it's just a you know, yeah. I'm, I I appreciate people getting awards for the the work that they do. For I sure. have to. I just remembered. I have to start introducing you as the award winning. What Andy Nelson. Well, You've won DGA awards. Well, but the director I worked with won a DGA award. But yes, I no, was you won DGA. I got it. Yeah, I got a thing. But yeah, uh, uh, don't be humble. Uh, don't, the, don't get don't get sensitive yeah, over there. The DGA the award winning. Yeah, yeah, Andy Nelson. I have to start introducing you as that now. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, the, the DGA is the Directors Guild of America. Uh, yes. So yeah. Uh, Congratulations on all your successes. Sir. Uh, that was a number of years ago, but yeah, it was pretty fun. Oh, I will tell a story from one award show though, yes. that I went to. So. Uh, we were nominated again uh, two years ago, and my wife and I actually, every time that I got nominated, I didn't get to go, including the time that, that uh, Neil, our director, won. And I remember I was in Hawaii working on another show, and he's like, we won, and I get the text, like, yeah, oh, cool, right? So two years ago, we got to go because we were nominated again, and, you know, I've never been to an award show. It's so cool because I, 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 I work in reality TV, so I was nominated for Biggest Loser. Not that big of a deal, right? But when you get to go to these award shows and, like, Clint Eastwood's presenting stuff, and you see like all these like really, really famous people. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So I go uh, like in between. I, th- I don't remember what it was. I go to the bathroom and uh, and I'm doing my thing at the urinal. And I turn around and guess who's waiting in line behind me in a white tux? Clint Eastwood. No, Pierce Brosnan. I was basically peeing in front of James Bond. It oh was amazing. Oh, my God. And I had a split second where I was like, uh, uh, like, do I do a funny quip? Do I say? No, I'm like, no, no, no. Just don't shut up. Just walk away. And, and I just ran back to the table. I was like, Amy, you're never going to believe it. I just peed in front of James Bond. <laughs> I would have done a, oh, good day, Mr. Bond. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Peanuts, Mr. Bond. I see you pee the same as way as I do, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Bond. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Game of Thrones. They won a shitload of Emmys over the last six seasons. Hell of a segue. Oh. Peeing with James Bond back to Game of Thrones. Yes. Well done, We're back sir. in, and <laughs> we'll lead right into the next thing, which is uh, Jon Snow is now doing Infinity commercials. Oh, Kit right. Yeah, I was, uh, I was watching football, and, uh, <laughs> and you see this red car driving on this, like, uh, 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 I don't know, like coastal type road with like a lot of green in the background. And then they cut to the inside of the car and there's Jon Snow driving with a stoic face. It's almost like yeah. they're trying to like, it's like those, those horrible Matthew McConaughey driving Lincoln ads, but like it's Jon Snow. So I like the seats in this car <laughs> yeah, that yeah. keep me warm. Yeah, the, <laughs> you know, nothing Jon Snow. Yeah, uh, it's just, if he had done the whole, Northern England, Yorkshire voice. Yeah, but I immediately wanted to buy an Infinity. I mean, did really? You? Of I think it would. I think it would be funny to overdub the audio back and forth from the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercials <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
into the Infinity commercials with Jon Snow and just see if they still work. Because <laughs> it <might laughs> it's the same shit. You know, they're totally stealing, in my opinion, stealing off yeah, of it's the, the idea old, off of It's the uh, only Matthew car you can, you can die in a wreck in and you can come back to life. <laughs> oh, man. All you need is a red witch. We could cut that out. Oh, no, we're not going to. All right, so... Uh, where we, what we want to spend the second half of the show talking about is a lot of another big birthday. Funny enough, uh, mm. this might be the birthday episode of all things. <laughs> uh, one of my most beloved properties and treasures of the last twenty years, mine too, is and many people out there is South Park. Uh, this week, South Park turned twenty years old. It's crazy, man. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk about you know th- their story is com- is well known. Well, every time they have an interview, they talk about oh well, we sent this thing to this college guy and college buddy, and it, it got viral and went around before viral was viral. Right. They were sending it around on VHS tapes. VHS tapes, like so they they made the the original Spirit of Christmas, which I'm right. sure everybody knows about. So that thing got sent on VHS tapes around a bunch of agents and like a bunch of people in Hollywood and. Somebody from Comedy Central caught it, and then they were like, "Hey, they should make a whole series out of this." And it started with them doing it with construction paper yeah. and long hours, and, yep, and yep, here we yep. are today. Where now they're they're literally doing episodes in six days, which allows them to be very on point as far as like the current topics, like in the cultural landscape. Well, that's that's where I wanted to go with okay. this. So I, in the beginning, it was almost as if they were had you teetering, or, or at least the uh, the MPAA maybe. Yes teetering on the edge of what was allowed and they were trying to push the envelope of you know offensive kind of counterculture type of things and situations and talking about things that were you know most people would find offensive and all they were really pushing those boundaries of what was allowed or accepted right that's and, always and we, i mean that's been their mo and everything they've done well not until not recently so so I, the, where i was going with this is that they've made this turn to the other side where it's become full-on social commentary yes yeah and the last, i would argue the last maybe four or five seasons uh, has been completely about all of these things like you know uh anywhere from transsexuals to uh, any of this, you know, more social commentary stuff. And we just had the premiere <laughs> last week uh, yeah. for episode one of season tw- 20. Uh, is it season 20 or not? I don't even know. I don't, I don't, no, I, it is 20 because they had the big like uh, Super Bowl 20. Like, oh, right. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, double X's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so, yes. And it was we, we have PC principal back. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening and you haven't seen it yet, uh, I'm sorry. You're listening to a show. It's been a week. Go, yeah. Just go watch it. It's right. hilarious. Uh, so the things that they addressed, what did they address in the episode? The the NFL athletes kneeling during the national anthem, right? They made a <laughs> yeah. uh, a bit about the uh, how everybody only tuned into the game to see who was going to kneel right. for, or sit for the national anthem. But they didn't start it with the NFL. They started at like the school first. Which it was, was like, the little, so it was the fourth graders, <laughs> like playing volleyball. women's volleyball yeah. thing, right? <laughs> and so I think good. that was also a quip on everybody's obsession during the Olympics right. with women's volleyball and right. beach, yeah. beach volleyball. So the... Uh, the the whole all of those things like mashed together they've mastered the art of doing these mashups uh, that have a social commentary spin on them and I think that's really the important thing to take away from how they've evolved because if you go back to Cartman has an anal probe <laughs> episode one yep. the pilot right and you go into season three and you get Chimpokomon and oh, how yeah. even all I mean go back, Scott Tenerman gave me oh, uh, Scott Tenerman must die that was Scott Tenerman that's, must that's die my favorite, that's my favorite episode is one of the greatest episodes where, right and then you get makes, to World makes, of Warcraft Cartman and, makes Scott Tenerman eat his parents and chili oh so all of that stuff right we we've come so far in 20 seasons if you go back and you look at that body of work and understand that for the last uh, 21 years every week for a season 
they've they do an, a new episode in six days. Yeah, it's ridiculous. No, and I can't I can't think of anybody else in Hollywood. It'd be one thing to say like they they out. come up they come up with a with a script or whatever on the day one, and then they go into the like let's say in like a sitcom. Those sets are pre built. You have your actors already set up. It's like uh, you know like home improvement. Like oh Tim Allen, you're going to say this, and you're going to say that, and you're going to say that. That's our <laughs> idea. Okay, ready, go. One, two, three. They shoot the twenty two minute episode. You're out. That's not it. Yeah. They got to go in there. They got to record all the voices first. Voices get recorded, and then they do all the animation, and it's all done in a computer now, which helps them do it quicker. And like and then. They're, they've talked about how they they will they will be changing stuff up to like the last minute before they have to like uh, oh, uplink yeah. it over a satellite to Comedy Central like moments before it goes on the air. Fun fact uh, for the listeners that are South Park fans: the one episode there is one episode that Trey Parker almost didn't allow to go to Comedy Central to for airing. Which oh, I think I read one this. episode. Which one and the it? funny part about this it is that is the most popular episode ever in all 20 seasons which one is it the world of warcraft episode (laughs) that's a great one he was so bent out of shape about putting their animation into the world of warcraft engine yeah uh and their characters and everything he was so bent out of shape he hated it and even to this day he hates it he's on record saying and it's the one episode that he almost didn't allow like he was gonna break the streak yeah uh, of, of of having a new episode every week and it turns out, funny enough, that it's the most popular episode by the audience of all time. Yeah, I mean, it, the show has grown up as those guys have grown up. I mean, they're not much older than us. Yeah, you know? um, they're our age. Yeah, pretty much. They're a couple years older, maybe. But, um, you know, originally it, they were all standalone episodes, and it was all about, like, well, man, I can't, like, what are these crazy kids? What, what foul mouth, funny shit is going to come out of these kids' mouths? You know, that was the first, whatever, couple seasons, and the movie came out. Uh, and then, you're right, then they started getting more into the social commentary stuff. And I, I would argue that uh, in the last couple of seasons, the last three or four seasons, um, they've had through lines. So there's been, like, a, there's been a storyline that's continued the entire season, right? I mean, like, the yeah. way that this one ends, which you won't spoil, that's going to be probably a, 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 a through line. No, there. we can talk about last season. The whole idea with, yeah. um, you know, PC Principal coming in and the frat coming in and the social commentary around... Um, all of this social justice kind of thing and right. what's allowed and what's acceptable and microaggressions. And that whole season was all about that stuff, but they played it into it with fourth graders. Right. And that's the hilarious part of it. But they would have, what I'm getting at is that they have that through line of their, their overall like theme or oh, like the story that goes through. We but, don't but, have but then, independent. But then each week they're still topical and they'll bring up something that happened, you know, a big news story and sort of poke fun at it. That's another big change that, that as absolutely need to bring up. So originally the first, I don't know, 10 seasons or so each episode lived and died on its own there right. was really no follow-through right. from episode to episode That's what I'm getting at, yeah yeah and and so now we've got these entire seasons and right. i think breaking bad kind of set the standard for this if i can't go back much further than that and think of a show uh that was like serial s- episodic maybe something like west wing or something that think about shows that had follow-through from episode to episode where you had to understand battlestar was like that okay we have battlestar galactic sure but yeah, but that's around the same time. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, but I mean, setting the pace for that kind of stuff. We saw South Park shift probably around 2008 or something like that in mm-hmm. the last, you know, eight, six or eight seasons where they've done this stuff continuously. A quick aside about that. I, I love the idea of this sort of cliffhanger moment in, in each uh, episode of, of shows like we're talking about, whether it's South Park or Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad. Um, the thing I like about it is, is uh, when you, when you go back, like, I think we've talked about this before where, where, you know, you could sit, you, you, sometimes you, or not now with me having two kids, but there was a time when you and I would sit down and, and watch the three Lord of the Rings movies before the Hobbit ones came out. And we sat down and watched all three extended cuts, like literally in a day and yeah. you know, drank a couple of beers. 13 probably. hours. Right. Um, 
uh, because again, that's a that's a long sort of story. The way that that if you look at Game of Thrones, for instance, that's six seasons, ten episodes of one hour shows. So an it's essentially a sixty hour movie because it you is. can start with episode one from season one, and that story continues all the way up until where we're at now, and we'll continue for two more seasons. So eventually, if what is it, an eight or nine episode order for the last for the last two seasons? So we're gonna have an eighty hour movie. I think it's thirteen. For yeah, the last thirteen two. total. So we're gonna yeah. have a seventy five hour movie. Yeah, you know, right. But uh, it. You can't watch episode four, season three, and know what's going on. You right. have to have watched, and sure, they'll do the last week on Game of Thrones, previously on, you know, and they'll show you yeah. stuff, but it doesn't matter. So, um, I wish there was a super cut that would, yeah, this would be crazy. This would be, might be the craziest video to ever to <laughs> upload on YouTube if they could, or a, something that they could pull it off where snip out the opening credits and the end credits and just somehow stitch them together without the previously on Game of Thrones. It wouldn't be that difficult, uh, but uh, the licensing on that would be ridiculous. Oh, yeah, of but, course. Yeah. You couldn't commercial, you couldn't sure. monetize it or anything. Sure. But, yeah, well, whatever. I, I think, hey, <laughs> if you're listening, Netflix or uh, Reed Hastings by chance, uh, go for, go get it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the last thing we wanted to talk about here about this was uh, how animation has changed. And it, we don't want to spend too much time on this because we're both, you know, old-ass men at this point, you know, get off my lawn. But there was a time in the 80s and 90s where we lived for cartoons. Yeah, I mean, we... And we, I, don't under, I don't know if kids today operate that way, and I'm hoping you can shed some perspective as a, as a father of young kids yourself. What what does it, the landscape look like for kids today versus uh, Transformers and G.I. Joe and, and Animaniacs and Muppet Babies and yeah. all of those shows I can think of that I fought my sister over the remote when we were kids about you had a what remote? shows. You had a remote. I had a little thing. You had the knob you would turn. Oh, God. We were until we, until we got cable. And then it was like, yeah, the click button. I was like, oh, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll say two things about that. So uh, it was different times. So um, and, and programming was a little bit different back then. And it, the programming's uh, the same now, but I'll get to that in a second. So when we got home, uh, when we got home, we were, it was, you know, four o'clock. It was like G.I. Joe, Transformers, da 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 until the five o'clock news came on. But we had that block of time after right. school. That was our cartoon time. And then on Saturday mornings, you would get up at nine and you could watch cartoons. Nine. Like nine. Or I got one, up at six. Or whatever it was. Right. Oh, yeah, Cartoon Express on USA. You're right. Yeah. So they, you could watch cartoons from six in the morning until like three or whatever until other stuff came on. So... I think that was also a time, though, there weren't all these other distractions. Right now, kids can be playing more video games. They can have an iPad in their hand. And they're probably watching those shows on an iPad, but it's more of on-demand thing. Yes, we uh, we have shows that that the kids watch. There is a block of stuff that they watch, but they don't watch it live. There isn't that, come home from school, sit down and watch this. It's, it's I want to watch this show, or I want to watch this, and this, this, this. But you can get it you know quickly. Um, I, I would say, uh, where were we going with... Is that in a streaming fashion, or is that in, like, dvr shows? Or? We, we have stuff on our DVR. Like, we have a whole thing of, like, uh, Disney Junior shows on, on the DVR that we can just call up if we want to. Or they can they can get in the Disney Junior apps on the Apple TV or the iPad, and they can just watch whatever they want, you know? Um, so, yes. I guess what we're getting at is, is, the, is, the, is the way that the animation has sort of, like, changed and what's it like in the landscape today. I think um, if, if, we, if we take that back to South Park... Um, uh, uh, and you could even argue that you know uh, Simpsons was sort of was the was the the oh, yeah. the fire starter of like the 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 adult animation. There was Batman the animated series. It's all kind of started like the early nineties. Oh yeah, MTV did a huge run of these with Beavis and Butthead right. and Daria the, and exactly, all these guys. Exactly, exactly, and and that was and you wonder why that sort of movement started. And I would say that the people like us that grew up with cartoons all the time then got old enough to make them. And rather than mm. make them for kids anymore, they wanted to make them for the people like us that still like cartoons. And, and then, mind blown. Right. You just I mean, totally mind jobbed me. <laughs> when, when you think, though, I mean, that's that's got to be what it is. And, well, I credit The Simpsons almost single-handedly of launching Fox. Right. If you remember the sure. late 80s, 
You had Fox married with children, or you had Simpsons married with children, uh, a couple of other shows, right? That that was the launch of Fox, and they were these controversial, like adult-oriented cartoons, and you know, super male studsy guy where you had Al Bundy and Pe- right. you know Peggy Bundy and all right. that. I think the Simpsons are what carried Fox through the 90s before they really got into sports. It's certainly what started the whole uh, animation for adults in prime time. And then that begat South Park. South Park begat Family Guy. Family Guy, you know, now we're into like Venture Brothers. I'm not going to let you skip Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, you're sorry. You're right. You're right. But (laughs) but uh, that's sort of like, uh, yes, (laughs) Beavis and Butthead was all wrapped around like actual music videos, though. But what I'm talking about is like a 22, 22 minute, uh, you know, animated program, sitcom style or whatever it would be. Family Guys like that. Um, but now, you know, you've got, you've got Venture Brothers, you've got Archer, everything Adult Swim is doing, all that yes. stuff is geared towards adults. So there is obviously, again, all those people that watch those cartoons as kids have now grown up and started making them and they make them for us too. While yeah. there's still stuff being made for kids, certainly, there's still an audience for us too. Oh, you, I, now I have to go watch Beavis and Butthead for an hour afterwards. <laughs> I just, I, this is so good. Uh, that show to me is, uh, I don't know, it touches a special place because of the time I was in. The, the type of music. The, the, oh, and the metal. Oh, mm-hmm. and a time where MTV actually played music videos, and that remember was remember those days. Oh, remember when? Man. Remember when a movie would sell, like a movie of the band would sell a song rather than yes, whatever it was, whatever the music companies wanted yes. you to listen to. I would watch MTV to figure out what music and albums I wanted to go buy. Right. You listen. So in the eighties and the nineties, it was all about getting that hit single mm-hmm. that had a matching hit video. Right. And that would make us go out and buy the the tape or the CD, and right? some of the production value on those videos. Look back at Metallica they, 1. Look at look at November Rain by Guns oh. N' Roses. Remember that? Like Slash, like we're doing the guitar on the top of the mountain. Wait, how'd that go again? I don't want to do it again. Okay. The, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the sweeping helicopter shot. Oh, like yeah. The stuff of, like Stephanie Seymour, like, you know, like uh, coming out of the coffin. Like there was some, it was, there were, there were many movies. I mean, it was a big deal. Like a lot of the, like Joe Pitka, the guy that directed uh, Space Jam was a huge music video oh, director. Man. Michael Bay was a huge music video director. David Fincher was a huge mu- music video director. But again, they don't make uh, videos like that to sell songs anymore. There are certain bands that do, but yet that's the point. They don't do it to sell music anymore. But if they don't, it's not, there isn't like a block of like, I used to tape MTV on VHS for like two hours. And yeah. then I would, I would, instead of going out and buying the albums, I would just put the tape in and fast forward through the songs I didn't like, you know. Um, and I just, was totally Beavis and Butthead as a kid because I would record Headbangers Ball oh, because yes. it was on at like two in the morning. Yeah. And I would watch it the next day, and I was like, "Oh God, I've got to get that New Testament album, you know, because yeah. that sounds awesome." Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was me. So I, kudos. I lastly, let's wrap this up because uh, South Park, happy birthday! Yes. That's what we really wanted to say. You've had tons of influences, but you've really set the bar for everything. Tons of influences for the last twenty yeah, years. And they've had tons of influences on, on us personally. I mean, how many yeah. times are we like, "Hey, excuse you," you know? Like, we'll say stuff like, well, yeah. "It's just it's become part of our our story." Like, just you and I. Even if you don't watch South Park, yeah. you know who Eric Cartman is. Yes. Yes. And you understand, you probably understand his voice when you hear it, right? And their sense of humor has always been just, it's, it's very similar to mine. And, and Oh, yeah. You know, just, well, it's 12-year-old dick and fart jokes. You it's know? not it's, even that. It's just their, their timing and some of the things that they think are funny are a little off kilter, and that's sort yeah. of my style, too. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that I think has made them the most successful and has kept them out of, uh, out of being too controversial is that they'll make fun of everything, meaning that there isn't stuff that they won't touch. So it's like, well, you said this about, you know, Christianity, but you didn't say this about this. Well, yes, we did. They're like, there is nothing's off limits. Right. So when nothing's off limits, there's no way you can go after. Right. Him. I mean, yes, they've gone after him for some of the stuff they did the Muhammad episode. But um, 
yeah, kudos to those guys for always staying true to what they believe and 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 just constantly providing the. What's for your us. favorite ever? You said Scott Tennerman. Uh, Scott Tennerman must die for sure. Uh, I love the Super Best Friends episode. Yes, I love that one. Uh, Imagination Land, that two parter. I love that. Oh one. man, that was the that Lemmy was Winks episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh great, Lemmy Winks. Uh, underpants gnomes. <clears throat> the underpants gnomes for me might be the best one. I love Jim Pokemon. Yep. You have to love Cartman. Cartman gets an anal probe. Yeah, all, uh, those, all those were early on. But the, yeah. There's little parts of other episodes that I love. Pig and elephant DNA <laughs> just won't splice. You know, I just I celebrate stuff like that. Uh, for me, it was the season where everybody thought they were going to fall off, where uh, Stan just became this cynical asshole. Yes. Right? And because it, it's a messed up reason why, but it was all because of the duck president. <laughs> to me, that is one of the funniest things. A president, a duck, a, the president of the United States is a duck, and then all of a sudden you just have this duck that's like squirting diarrhea out of its out of its beak. <laughs> that to me is the president's a duck, and the whole world's going to the dogs. Just even like we're not even going to get into a political oh, commentary, but even even this isn't political in any way. But they brought but back that they brought back the uh, turd sandwich versus a giant douche thing yes. in the in the most recent episode. Yes, oh, oh it's so good. But now uh, that. that I can't watch enough South Park. It yeah. still makes me laugh. Yep. And I will go on record and say that I have not laughed. There are two movies that make me laugh to the point of throwing up. One of them's Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. That's been around with us for 20 years. The other one is Team America. Yeah. I, I cannot remember. I was even the, even the fun ar- story. Yeah. I was actually on a first date in oh. 2004 when that movie oh, came out. Oh, God. And I was like, hey, this looks fun. I have no idea what it is. It's the guys that do South Park. I love South Park. Let's go. <laughs> hey, you, you're fun. Uh, we actually turned around and left, went outside, looked at each other and just went, okay, that was funny. Let's go see it again. Nice. And we went right back in and saw it again. Um, But I was laughing to the point of tears flowing down my face and to the point of almost throwing up. I was that way in in that one and in the South Park movie with the the music and oh. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Two big last things we want to talk about. Uh, Destiny. Yes. Dropped. Rise of Iron is finally here after the long wait of the summer. Uh, we finally got Rise of Iron uh, yesterday. Yep, it's been out a couple of days. Uh, you and I have played a couple of things in it. Uh, there's plenty to explore. Uh, have you gotten your Iron Gallahorn yet? No, but I heard you did. I did tonight. Oh, and it is so sweet. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And its cluster bombs are as glorious yeah. as they ever were. The new raid for this expansion drops on Friday. Uh, we Already? Will, yeah, we will not be light ready for it, but there will be people who have been playing it nonstop that don't have uh, the responsibilities potentially that we have and more power to them. I will certainly be ready to watch when they do that. However, so, I don't want to actually see anything in the raid before we actually. No, play. no, no, no spoilers on that stuff. So quick first impressions. This isn't a full breakdown of the expansion. We did that a couple episodes ago. You can go listen. Uh, actually, episode one that we did a full hour on all the things that are coming in destiny. But first impressions, quick, quick uh, overview. I was shocked at the scope of the world that they built uh, this Plaguelands area. Uh, I was I was wowed by how big that was and, and and the scope of it and everything looks better I, I don't know if it's the fact that they dropped last gen uh everything um uh the that new, totally has a lot to do with it yeah i figured it would um uh i love the new social space the fell winter's peak i'm sorry the iron temple area yep. and you can climb up fell winter's peak and and it's just it's it's new it's different uh it's it's exciting yeah uh, i don't know in in a week or two uh, it's not as big of a of a of a thing as taken king probably was we, we could have a different idea of this in a couple of weeks where we're like well now what do we do but It'll be the same thing we did for the last year, where it's like, hey, let's just go in there with our buddies and shoot stuff and hang out. That's what that game's all about for totally. me. Totally, and um, it's fun new content. Again, we're 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 
we're being careful not to spoil stuff right. for people that haven't done right. it. Um, so we'll, as you know, maybe a month from now, episode ten or so, we'll really break down some of the stuff. But for now, we just really wanted to kind of give first impressions. For me, um, it was uh, one. The, as someone who started playing Destiny when it for first launched, yeah. the original year one stuff, yep. I actually quit after a couple of weeks because yep. I, I was bored. The writing was terrible. The content didn't make sense. I'm a big lore fiend. Yep. Uh, so I didn't really get into it that much. I, I will not. say that it has come leaps and bounds yeah. uh, with the writing and the voiceovers and the lore and getting back into why you should care mm -hmm. about what you're doing. That, to me, is lore. And even if you don't, it's still a fun game. And yes, I, yeah. I've, I've been playing way too much, as I've said, much to the chagrin of my wife, uh, over those last two years. And you know, I'm glad we get to play together uh, like as, as much as we do. And again, we'll, we'll probably be dropping our Twitter handles at the end of this episode. And if you are looking for people to play with, let's say you're a loner that yeah. just doesn't get a chance to do things with other people, or maybe you're shy and haven't really played online and talked in a headset, find us. Yeah. We'll do it, man. We'll, we love we'll, to help. Yeah, we do. That to me, that's the whole reason I play is because I get to hang out with my friends that don't live here in LA. Yeah, for even sure. the ones that do that are on yeah. the other side of town. Yeah. All uh, right. So wrapping this episode up, I wanted to share an experience that I had this past weekend. Is this the football thing? This is the football thing. Oh, I, I kind of know where this is going, but I'll let you tell the story. Uh, so I I'm from Charlotte originally. I've been to many Panthers games. Uh, I've been to many college football games over the years across the Carolinas, Clemson. Um, uh, the biggest Raleigh, uh, the big stadiums that are up there. I've been to Michigan with a mm. hundred thousand people. The big house. I've Two years there. ago, I went to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, where Florida State got yeah. their ass kicked by Oregon, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, so I've 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 been around. Yeah, as far as I've been to the big bowls, except uh, you had not been except to, yeah the the Coliseum, the one bowl that I have lived fifteen minutes away from for ten years. Yeah. Uh, I've never been to the L.A. Coliseum, and there is so much history in that that I didn't appreciate until I walked out of the tunnel into that bowl. It's breathtaking. With it's I mean, absolutely breathtaking. The L.A. Olympics up. from yes. what was it? The thirties? Eighty four. Eighty four. Oh, the eighty four Olympics. Yeah. That's right. Uh, they did the whole. It, this was the home opener for the Rams. That's where the, that's where the Raiders played. That's where the Rams played. Yes. I mean, that's where O.J. Simpson. I mean, that's uh, this was USC SoCal Southern Cal uh, football, yeah. right? A lot of historic things have happened on that field, whether in college or pro and, you know, concerts or whatever it was. Like, they played a baseball game there a couple years ago. With like the what? Yeah, the Red Sox and Yankees played there. Weird. Yeah. So, anyway, they still did. This was the home opener for the, the new L.A. Rams. Right. Right? They still did the whole lighting of the torch thing at the beginning. Oh, cool. I don't even think I told you about no, this. No, you did I wanted to save it for the show. Oh, nice. Uh, but, no, they did the whole, they had the five legends of USC uh, that went to the NFL, come out, and they did the whole lighting of the torch thing from the 84 Olympics, the big, tall torch that's oh, in yeah. LA. That was awesome. Yeah. We didn't get a flyover. I was kind of halfway expecting that. Yeah. Uh, CeeLo Green sang the national anthem, which was fantastic, by the way. <laughs> Kudos. To, right. <laughs> he did that's a fantastic a job. Anthem. And we had a surprise performance by the SoCal group themselves, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, cool. About a 30-minute, you know, they did three songs, four songs maybe. S surprised they didn't bring the Trojan band out. <laughs> I'm surprised that the they didn't cover it on the TV broadcast oh. of the game. Oh, yeah. Like, how could you not do this? You're well, talk about fantasy stats. Yeah. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> there were played. no fantasy stats in that game. Right. So Flea is one of the biggest L.A. Rams fans ever. Moved out here when he was 72. Yep. Wrote this great op-ed piece for why they were doing this free show and, and to everybody that was coming out to the game. So it was, it was fantastic to see those guys. Uh, here's what I want to say. And I, this is a bigger theme discussion that we need to have. 
Uh, I want to say I actually I really enjoyed the moment I walked out into that to see the bowl, oh. to see the torch, to see all that stuff. I want to I want to start with the good. Yeah. Here's where things go south a little bit. And this is bigger than what's going on in the NFL, in stadiums, and all that stuff. Because it, it transcends uh, all of that into theme parks, into uh, other areas where you have to pay hundreds of dollars to do things. So it was $16 for a 16-ounce beer. Wow. It, and we're not talking like premium draft beer. We're talking Bud Light and Corona Tallboys. Like you didn't get a cup. Uh, you're so yes, they had cocktails and everything. So we had to pay. It was about a hundred dollars per seat, and these were not even good seats. We ended up moving down to good seats, right? Because you do that. Yeah. You buy the cheap sheets and you find empty ones. Sure. You know, through by the time you get to the second quarter, you know nobody's going to come. Plenty of seats in that place. There are. Uh, it's upwards of a hundred thousand, uh, if I remember. It's, it's, I they're it's one close. of the bigger ones. It's close. Yeah. It's not Michigan or a Rose Bowl caliber no. or Clemson, even no. I would say, right? But the, those are some of the biggest ones. Michigan, I would I think, Michigan's is now the, the biggest, biggest one. one. I think one hundred and two thousand. Tennessee's another good one. One hundred and six. I think Notre yep. Dame's up to ninety now. Uh, yeah, I mean, stadiums are stadiums. But it was breathtaking, right? Yeah. But the pricing. So for, we went two couples, four of us went. Uh, we got. We would get. We would double fist so that we didn't have to wait in line again. We got eight beers, and it was one hundred and fourteen dollars. You're kidding. A hundred per round. And to top things off, we spent the entire second quarter standing in line. And they ran out of it at a lot of those places from what I read. Yep. And they ran out of So you'd be standing in line for 20, 30 minutes. And then by the time you get up there, the tap empties. Oh. And it just starts foaming. And you How do they not are, know that? You're in an I mean, it's an NFL crowd. NFL crowds like to drink beer. How do you not? It's like the same thing happened at uh, uh, Dodger Stadium when they had the outdoor uh, game between the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks, the hockey game. Uh, I didn't get to go because I was out of town, but I get my tickets to a buddy. And yeah, same thing happened. They ran out of beer in like the first period. I don't under... And this was at the end of the first period. We went out for first bathroom quarter. break. Yeah. First quarter. Sorry, I'm ready for hockey. Yeah. Uh, into the first quarter, went out, used the ba- bathroom break and went out to get in line for beer. Thought it would take 10 minutes, whatever. No. We stood there for what was probably about 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, by the time we got back to our seats... It was already halfway through the third quarter. Wow. So we went all the way through the second quarter. Halftime. All the way through halftime. We missed whatever. The, I don't even know what they did for halftime, to be honest with you. And we missed ha- almost half of the third quarter. They probably had a guy go down in the middle of the field and recap fantasy stats, which again, <laughs> which again, were very low for somebody that started. Russell Wilson. Right. Uh, I had a bang-up day. I, I, I was, know you did. I know It you was did. total role reversal yeah. from week one to week yeah. two. Uh, Arizona defense showed up. Everybody showed up. Yeah. I got to say, though, I'm – I kind of want to start Dak Prescott again in week three. But Ooh. I digress. We'll go back to the Rams thing. So the experience overall was mind-blowing at first. It was the the lore and the history of that place was mind-blowing. I absolutely loved that. What I'm down on big time, uh, because it's not just that venue, it's Universal it's Disney. theme parks. It's Disney. L.A. Kings games, even Kings games are even getting to that point. I even mean, though we're paying ten bucks for a beer there, right? Twelve, twelve dollars. That's for a you, beer. That's because you drink Stella. You drink, yeah, you drink I can't. The high I, class do, I don't want to drink horse piss light. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just not what I uh, what I go. What I'm going to pay ten dollars to. I'm going to pay two dollars more to drink yeah. Stella or Corona or something else. Right. <laughs> now we're a beer podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> The point I'm trying to make is that I am, for the first time in 10 years, 10 years, 
I'm not going to Halloween Horror Nights this year oh, at yeah. Universal. Yeah, I, yeah, I know how much because you it does. It is a hundred and ninety nine dollars for the front of line passes, which is frankly the only way to do it. The regular passes. That's not like a season pass. It's for one time. That's one night. Wow. One night. And you only get to go through the attraction one time. They now hole punch. They go to this length. They hole punch your badge on your lanyard just so you can't go through twice. What, like the Subway free sandwich card? Kind of. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's exactly what it is. So to take this back eight or ten years, what they used to do is you would, would regular ticket was 35. Front of line pass was 90. We were happy to pay that because sure. you skipped the two-hour line yeah. uh, to walk straight through the mazes, and you got to see everything and ride every ride, and it was worth every penny. Over the years, it's gone up and up and up and up and up. Now to the point where it went from last year, it was $130 all the way up to $200. Wow. And you don't get to go through as many times as you want to. So that said, it's I've been going for eight or ten years. I know everything about that park. I spend a lot of – I go to City Walk a lot because it's ten minutes away. It's right sure. here. Yeah. So I, I can't see myself taking myself and my girlfriend four hundred dollars, five six hundred dollars by the time we got buy drinks and do all the stuff for a night of Halloween mazes. I'm sorry, I just, I can't do it anymore. You can have and, you can have a a a world class steak dinner with your girlfriend for half of that cost, mm-hmm. and you'll remember that dinner more than you'll remember your experience in a good way. Big time. At, a, at an NFL football game, and that's kind of sad. It, it's very sad, and and this, so this is something that's bigger than what's good. There's a huge gouging thing that's happening, and I think it has to do, Universal's out of money. They almost closed down uh, a few years ago, if I remember right. They, wow. They almost closed that theme park down. Orlando was doing fine. Um, this one will, was not. Orlando will always do fine. It's a right. destination. Here, they got too much stuff to compete with. Exactly. So I'm gonna go down to Knotts, Knotts Berry Farm. They turn it into Knotts Scary Farm. Yep. But the tickets are fifty bucks. There you go. And there's twice, if not three times, as many of the Halloween mazes. There's the actual roller coasters that are there, not just the digital crap that's at Universal. Yep. And the Harry Potter. Oh, so here's the thing. <laughs> so tie this off. Tie a big fat freaking bow off of this thing. This uh, thing. We wanted to go see the new Harry Potter section of of Universal Hollywood. And first off, I got to say, again, starting with the good, the castle, Hogwarts, looks amazing. Like, I don't know how long it took them to make that. Maybe a year or two, I think, Uh, if I remember right. Last couple of years. It looks fantastic. You go inside, the ride, it's another one of those digital, like, they they bump you around and they just throw you around in the chair and they squirt water on you. Oh, Whoop-de-freaking-do. Also, the, the only other, there's two attractions, two rides. Rides, I'm doing air quotes. The other one is a roller coaster that belongs in the kids section of Disneyland. All right. It's it's bad. Okay. It's it's really bad. The rest of it is shops where they want to sell you stuff. Harry Potter stuff. Like wand, wand. wands and robes and stuff for a thousand percent markup. But they should they should sell the invisibility cloak so you can sneak in and not have to pay that ridiculous amount of money. See, now you're just mind jobbing everybody. Sorry. Again. Sorry. So my point of this whole tirade rant that I've been on for the last five or ten minutes is uh, they're losing customers. They don't get this. They think they're doing the right thing for business by jacking up prices so high because the tourists and the transients are going to pay it when they come to L.A. thinking that they have to go do this thing. Right. My parents and I went to Disneyland for the first time ever in June when they came out to visit, and it was it was a $500, $600 day yeah. just to get see both, both parks. And we really didn't have the amazing day 
I know there's people here in and LA you don't, that, and you actually don't have the amount of time. I mean, as a right. as a former Disney pass holder, we had the season passes with two kids. For us, it's, it was financially smart. Um, you could pay a, roughly around what was it, seven or eight hundred dollars for each. Yeah, bed. but it's, it's an hour a, to drive to Anaheim, depending on the time you go. Yes, but we would, but having the ability with two kids to go. Um, uh, I mean, we would go twice a month, you know, maybe even more, and we'd go for a couple of days. Well, not some... just two kids. You've got two young daughters. True. And, and Disney is, you is know, built for not them. to be sexist in any sure, way, but I mean, it's, that, it's kind of, it, it's built to cater to that yeah. audience in a way. But for us, it made sense. We, the amount of times we could go, uh, it ended up paying for itself three times over, sure. free parking, and yeah, that worked. And we, we've, we've taken a break from it. We probably will come back when uh, the Star Wars land comes, so... I, and I'll yeah. go with you because I, 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 that to me is is exciting. I just hope it's better than Harry but Potter. At I think let's circle back to I guess the question I want to ask you about. Uh, there's two things. Uh, yep. Your Rams experience. Number one, do you think part of the bad experience, as far as the customer experience, was because they were doing it in the LA Coliseum? Do you wonder if when we get to the stadium, the actual Ram Stadium that's being built in Englewood, that that experience changes because it's just dedicated to them? Uh, maybe. Uh, and then the second question I want you to answer is. Uh, and I've I've thought this for a long time. Uh, seeing to me, seeing live football, uh, college is better because of the the, yeah. the atmosphere and the and the rah rawness of it. Whereas pro football, when I go and see it live, it's very, you know, it's it's not as it's it's hey. it's the thing to do. It's not like you yeah. know my my daddy and my granddaddy went to Clemson. And we're gonna be here and you know like you know everybody dresses up and wears the same color and and you know it's, they tailgate for three days in marching advance bands and, yeah. and there's you know there's there's fire and whatever else it is like college like big college right. football is really cool live. Um, but wouldn't from the actual, as a football fan watching a game, don't it's the television presentation of a football game is so much better. I did not enjoy watching the football game live. Right. And there's so much dead space in person because when you're in between plays on, when you're watching on TV, we go to a tight shot of a quarterback. We, we hear an analysis of the play. You get none of that. It's, it's. Play, it's the guy in the red play, whistle. Some guy over the announcer be like, that was uh, Todd Gurley for three yards. Right. And then you got like 20 seconds, 25 seconds, 30 seconds, and then the next play It happens. also didn't help that it was 100 degrees outside in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. And there's literally no shade right. unless you go back into the tunnels and, and underneath the seats and everything. So, uh, look, the overall experience, I 100,000% agree with you that I would much rather have been sitting home. However, uh, there's two aspects to this. There's the social aspect because we went as two couples, a group of four, sure, the, and drinking and having a blast, and that was that was a blast, right? Just the that element of it, being out with your friends, the social aspect of it, uh, fantastic. That said, I would rather be at a body of water if I'm going to be out in a hundred degree heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a pool, have an ocean, have something. Be at the beach, whatever. There's many, many ways for free. I think you're onto something. You could, Maybe they need to build like a lagoon around oof. the uh, the Ram Stadium. So have you noticed be... how some of the baseball stadiums have like yeah. pools yeah. and stuff? There's like, like yeah. the right field in San Francisco where people like paddle around hoping to catch a I home I wonder run. if they could just dig a channel from the beach to Inglewood. There you go. That would, uh, for the new stadium in 2019. <laughs> that said, I am a, I am signed up in line for PSLs. Right, okay. Uh, for the stadium in 2019. Yeah. We'll see when those go on sale in a couple of years. Sure. And that gets underway. They are already, already doing construction and everything, but I uh, you won't find me going to LA Coliseum for any more NFL football games, unfortunately, because I, to say that the investment was worth the experience, it simply isn't. And I, I just I cannot pay for one beer what it would cost me to go to Seven Eleven to buy a twelve pack or more. I cannot pay twelve dollars for a hot dog that's been heated in a micro, essentially a microwave or a warmer. 
I, I cannot pay $10 for a pretzel. No. By the time you're done there for a group of four, you might spend $1,000 if you include your ticket prices in Crazy. that. It's $1,000. For a football game. For, to see a football game. And it's, that's just... You can't see Disneyland on TV. You could watch that game on TV. You could watch that game in a better have it and have a better experience potentially at home or in the pool listening to the commentary. Would it, okay, would it uh, uh, only we're, unless we're, it's covered by Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, right, and then probably, we're going to roll we're that. We're probably one out. running long on this, but yeah. would it would it have been different if it was the Panthers? Would you have been more into it? Do you think? Just like again, you have no allegiance to either team you were there for. Agreed. Other than being excited about having football in LA again, and, and I'll support the Rams as a I'm a Charlotte boy. I'm a Panther fan through and through. Uh, but I, I am excited to have just like we the, support the LA Kings. Sure, thing. absolutely. So I'm I'm excited to have football back in Los Angeles, yeah. and I'm going to support the Rams. I have, I have a Rams hat, right? Yeah. I may even get a wild hair and go buy a Todd Gurley jersey. Who knows? But because I think he's going to be their franchise player for many years. I think you're right. But uh, I think that yeah, Jared Goff, even with the number one pick, I, yep. I'm I'm remiss to say that, but I think he's he might flip fizz out, and we're going to. See a running game reminiscent of the Rams of old with Dickerson and even Steven, uh, Steven Jackson. Mm-hmm. We're going to see the running game of the Rams continue under the Fisher era until something changes there. But I don't know if I want to go again. Yeah. And, and I'm actually leaning that to say that I would probably not go until the new stadium shows up. I've experienced L.A. Coliseum. I've experienced uh, NFL there. I'm kind of remiss that I've never seen an, a USC-UCLA game there. That would probably be an amazing environment like you were describing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know that I'll ever go again. Not at that price. Here's my $1 beer. Oh, deliciousness. Oh. All right, so we're talking about sports. Here's something that I found very interesting this week. Uh, I read about the uh, bring up ESPN.com. And I know you go there all the time. Bring up ESPN.com mm-hmm. on your browser, yep. right? Got you it. see that little, like, the, the tab at the top or uh, the black bar that says, like, MLB, NHL, NCAA, whatever, right? There's an ellipses right there. Yeah. Click on that ellipses. Uh-huh. You'll see three letters that have no business or that you would have never have seen on on what ellipses? Uh, You're talking about the three dots? Yeah, yeah. Is that there? It's there. What am I looking for? Click it. I clicked it. I got a menu. Do you see WWE? Yes. What? ESPN.com is now reporting on WWE wrestling. Oh. But the worldwide leader in sports is now covering WWE wrestling. What does that say? Holy smokes! It's sports entertainment. Isn't and, ESPN considered sports entertainment, though, as well? I mean, it is now. They don't really ever talk about sports anymore. It's all shows. But, I mean, right. isn't that strange that, that they've sort of like they've uh, I almost want to say acquiesced a bit. Yeah. That And some of the articles are really good. I read one today about like what Ted DiBiase is doing now. Like he's a preacher or whatever. But they have a raw recap and a SmackDown recap. They have a dedicated group of writers that are writing about wrestling. Wow. Pretty cool. So uh, the first picture when you click on this now is the contract signing I was talking about earlier. <laughs> between Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss. So I have a funny story to kind of close out the show with that here today is uh, uh, I was watching SmackDown earlier today. Okay. And I have an Amazon Echo. Yes, you do. Yeah. So Becky Lynch was called out first by Daniel Bryan as the women's champion, women's SmackDown champion. And her number one contender is Alexa Bliss. (laughs) So while I had the volume up, I was trying to watch SmackDown. And every time somebody said Alexa, (laughs) uh, they would, I'm sorry, I can't answer that question for you. I'm sorry, I don't understand what you want me to do. The Amazon Echo was just going batshit because she just (laughs) didn't understand what was going on. 
Well, folks, that's our episode for this week. Uh, as always, you can find me, uh, Nick Howell, over on Twitter, at Data Center Dude. Yeah. Uh, you can find Mr. Andy Nelson. Yeah, I'm at, uh, at Andy Nelson 76 uh, Look us up. Drop us a line. Tell us yeah. what you think. Tell us about things you want to hear us talk about. Hey, if you play Destiny... Let us know. We'll yeah. play with you. We'll help you with stuff. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this if you is like a- wrestling and want a theory craft, if you like fantasy sure. and want a theory craft, hit us up. If Andy- you like Warcraft and you want a Warcraft with Nick, he likes to play that game. I play that Warcraft thing. So yeah, that's us guys. Have a blast, and we will see you next week. Later. Bye.